Welcome to Cowboys, not Eggheads. Home of the brave, not home of the fearful. The world needs more cowboys and fewer eggheads. We're everywhere podcasts are found. So tell your fellow cowboys, and let's keep the conversation alive on Facebook and Twitter. And now, Cowboys, not Eggheads, with Sam Fisher. Therefore I run, thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26-27. When I think about our guest today, my coach and friend, Kyle Kasserbar, I think of that passage. Um, Kyle is a longtime friend and coach and mentor. Um, and when you think about it, he's someone who um, knows me probably my wife is the only one that knows me better when you think about it. Uh, Kyle is the founder of a CrossFit gym called CrossFit Kinesis in Gretna, Nebraska, of which I'm a founding member, and we're now going into six years. But when you think about it, I've, I've spent a lot of time with Kyle, um, three to five times a week uh, for six years. I mean, really. Uh, and so he's a guy that it, it is very good at what he does, and he he probably will turn the tables on me in this podcast, and that's just fine. Uh, and he's allowed to do that. Uh, but uh, he, uh, like I said, he is um, knows me well. Um, when I think of Kyle Kasselbauer, I think of three things. I think of faith, family, fitness. And he is the perfect balance. Well, no one's perfect, but he's got a very good, sound balance of faith, family, and fitness. And tripods have to have three legs, and all three of his legs are very strong. And so he stands tall. His uh, CrossFit resume is impeccable. Um, He's the only person in the world to stand on the CrossFit podium, top three positions as, as a uh, athlete uh, as a podium athlete and as a master's athlete um, and he has tremendous respect in the CrossFit world and I, I, I pinch myself every time that I think about him being my coach uh, I am very blessed um, and we'll, we're going to explore a little bit uh, what got him to that point today coach how are you today I am good, Sam. How are you? Good. I, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, tell me when. Let, let's let's talk a little bit about your background, is because I always like to know how people are wired. How did they get to be the way that they are? You uh, had a decorated high school career. You were a state champion wrestler your senior year. Is that correct? And then you you were also uh, in semifinals every freshman, sophomore, junior in state wrestling. So what I'm I'm kind of curious to know about Kyle is you've always pretty much been the winner. You've always been the guy on top. How, what uh, being a semifinalist in wrestling, state wrestling, do you think that shaped any of your competitive nature? Well, first off, um, Sam. It's an honor to be here, and uh, I know you have fun on this pet podcast, and, and I appreciate the, the invite, and it's been an honor to get to know you over the last, well, I'd say, seven or eight years. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I met you <laughs> I met you sarcastically um, before you trusted me to guide you in your, your fitness journey, but um, in regards oh, to... Geez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will. The, let's just add a little color to that. I, yeah. I I didn't know anything about CrossFit. Well, I did a little <laughs> bit, uh, and I had a. We both belonged to a previous gym, and uh, I I trained with another trainer who's a very good mutual friend of ours, Scott Anderson, mm-hmm. and uh, great guy, uh, a great guy, and uh, and he actually honestly I I, I tell you know I don't I, I shouldn't I don't say this enough publicly but I, I believe Scott got me in the position where mm-hmm. I had the the nerve to even try CrossFit he, he really built a lot of strength on me I, know I started my journey when I weighed 282 pounds uh, at the end of 2012 and uh, 
Scott for for two solid years uh, gave me a, a foundation of muscle. But anyway, ironically, uh, I used to call Kyle um, thirteen. Uh, and I really didn't know what that meant. I think it was three, wasn't no, it? No, I didn't. I didn't know you when you were three. I knew you were thirteen. <laughs> it was what was that? Twenty thirteen. So he was thirteenth. Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. He was thirteenth in the world. Well, in the third, in, third in the world in twenty twelve. Third, third in the world twenty twelve. Yeah. Excuse me. And then I got to know him in the next couple of years, and he became. I think he was thirteenth the next year, or whatever. So I, yeah. I went around the gym and said, "What's up, thirteen? What's up, 13? <laughs> so I, I really didn't know what that meant. I didn't even know I was being disrespectful. I was just being. Sam, but <laughs> anyway, um, sorry to interrupt. No, uh, no, that's great. Um, to go back to your question, I think it was, I mean, I've always just enjoyed, um, recreational activities, but more than anything, just, uh, just growing up on a farm, um, growing up with not very much means and just uh working 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 and working more um waking up and working before school um whether that's on you know on the farm or uh working for farmers um and i mean i didn't i didn't really have a lot growing up so sports were an outlet and sports were a lot of fun and i found out that winning was more fun than not winning um, so, uh, that's just something that I continue to, uh, um, strive to do. However, uh, something that was even more than winning was not doing my best or lack of preparing. Like if I wanted to improve on my hitting when I was in baseball, when I was, uh, 10 years old, I just, I wasn't as good as hitting, um, as either the other kids or, uh, I'd be up to bat and I'd get struck out more than I'd hit. And I didn't like that. That wasn't fun for me. What was fun is when I'd hit the ball and I liked hitting the ball when a pitcher threw it at me. So I got, I had a brand new bat for my birthday and I went to the, um, near the baseball fields and I didn't have any baseballs. I just got this now, brand new how bat. How old were you at this time? Uh, I was about 10. Okay. And, uh, got this brand new bat. And uh, I didn't have a baseball. I didn't have anybody to throw me any baseballs. And uh, we didn't have any batting cages. It's a small town in Nebraska, St. Paul. And we didn't have any batting cages at the time. So I just uh, went to uh, a rock yard. And I grabbed one rock, threw it up, and hit it. And then grabbed <laughs> another one up and hit it. And about an hour and a half later, I go home. And my brand new bat, it was wooden, is completely ruined. But I'm, I just had a ton of fun hitting and prepping to hit. And I got in so much trouble because it was a brand new bat, Louisville Slugger, Ooh. wooden bat. Oh, no. And, uh, um, and that's just, I just. But you hit the ball after the X and that helped. Reps. That helped a lot. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a preparing guy. So, well, let's whack up a little bit. You said you worked on the farm. What does that mean? I, I, yeah, I, I grew up on a ranch. I understand mm-hmm. what working on the ranch is, but. Well, many listeners don't, uh, throughout this podcast, I think they understand what maybe that means. So what does that mean, working on the farm? What did you do? I mean, what? how old were you and what were you doing? Well, um, it was anything from uh, waking up early and feeding the cattle. Uh, it was cows, um, corn, um, no pigs, thank goodness. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a specialty for sure in the farming industry, but uh, cows, beans, and corn. Um, so whether it's waking up early and feeding the cows, or um, bringing grain to the cows, or fixing fence because you, w- you don't want to let any cows out, or um, figuring out if all the he- all heads of the cows are there, whether or the on the other side is. Um, Laying pipe, changing uh, irrigation season, so changing pipe and basically setting out these long metal tubes, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're plastic and they're heavier because there's mud and there's sand in them, and you're trying to lift them up. So it's a two-person job, and you're just um, um, laying out irrigation pipe all morning long, and then going to school, and then looking forward to the one time you can play, and that's in practice, and then uh, going back, and then finishing up more chores. Um, and that's just what happened. That's just what it was. That's what it was like. There was at the nothing. time, did you think it was hard? Um, I remember at the time that I didn't have fun with it. 
Um, there were, there were certain things that were harder than others, but it wasn't a matter of whether this is hard or not. It was a matter of you have to get it done and it has to get done by somebody and nobody else is there to do it. So you have to do it. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's non-negotiable and it's just something, it's like tying your shoes. It's something you do. It's just something that had to get done. Um, you were, uh, you were a son of a farmer. I was son of a rancher. I did not go into ranching. You did not go into farming. I can tell you why I didn't go into ranching, but tell me why you didn't go into farming. Well, I don't know why you didn't go into ranching, and I'd be interested to hear what I'll that is. I'll tell you like. after you tell your story. Yep. It's and all fair. My, my biggest thing, and I've said this ever since someone asked me if I was going to go into farming, and it, and it was honestly just the fact that it was too much uh, dependency on Mother Nature. That's one of my... That was one of my primary reasons. Fascinating. One, yeah, um, I just I've I've seen I've seen it go both ways. You know, I've seen farming be very fruitful, and um, I've seen it the other way where it was uh, more hardship than not. And it's something to where if it if it's truly it, at, at that time as a child growing up. And having a lot of things out of my own control that I didn't enjoy, and then having another thing out of my control to where at the point in time, maybe I didn't have the right amount of faith or the right amount of relationship with God. Um, um, and I know at that point in time, I was still young in my walk, but that was one of the that was the primary reason I had I didn't have enough faith in mother nature and it put too much um too much of uncontrol or out of control feeling for me and i didn't want that that is fascinating i mean that's of all the things that you would tell tell me in response to that question that's not one of them <laughs> i would have thought so that's really interesting it also is interesting for because the first thing i thought of before you mentioned it was well aren't you a faith-driven guy i mm-hmm. mean and and so that was you know that kind of shows dick shows us where you were at in your faith journey at that mm-hmm. point so that's that's really interesting um, the reason to quickly answer why I did not become a rancher is apparently, and I don't remember this, I do believe my mother, but when I was 12 years old, I, I just kind of randomly said, I don't, I don't want to be a rancher. And I suppose at 12, you kind of, it's probably a good determining age of what, you know, it, you know, it's probably a serious statement. And so, uh, my parents, instead of putting me to Valentine high school, which it's a fine place. I, mm-hmm. I don't have any, I, lots, you know, my brother and sister graduated from Valentine High School. My relatives graduate. My mom and dad or my mother graduated from Valentine High School. They put me on a path to a college prep school, which is Mount Michael, which you don't live very far from, which is, a, you know, um, and it's, you know, one of the top prep schools. Back then it was, and now it certainly is one of the top prep schools, not only in the state, but within within the Midwest. And so my, my path became from taking shop class to – taking advanced trigonometry by the time I was 14, you know, just, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. So it, it, it that's, that's, and, and it was fine. I mean, I, I, I could have gone back to the ranch any time, but that was kind of the, that was a crossroads. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think Nebraska would be well served if Kyle Kaspar was on the farm and Sam Fisher was on the ranch, but um, it, it obviously shaped both of us, that background. Mm-hmm. When you were younger, was there someone that you looked up to or, or where did you draw, draw your strength from um, just at a very young age? Um, did you have any early role models or that kind of thing? Yes, 100%. It was my wrestling coach. And it was in, uh, oh, let's see here, seventh grade. Seventh grade is when he actually moved to the area um, he wrestled in college, I believe, at Shattern State, and um, then he came and he took over the wrestling program. Um, he was a science teacher, taught biology. So, what? Expo- um, how old were you? Were you freshman high school? When you first had your first exposure to him. Seventh, seventh, seventh grade. grade. Okay. Yep, seventh grade. About thirteen years old, roughly. Yep. 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 Um, and at that point in time, it was also the the same time or around that time that. Uh, I was, my family was, they were going through a divorce as well, and my mom and dad. So I was looking for some sort of structure, some sort of consistency and regularity, and, and that was it. And wrestling happened to be 
um, one of the sports that I fell in love with just because how could just take some aggression out, you know, two walk in, one walks out type mentality. And I hadn't been able to do that in the past. I didn't play um, uh, football at a younger age with pads. It was all backyard football. It was tackle football. There were no flags. Again, small town, so there wasn't a lot of um, clubs or anything at that point in time. So if we wanted to play football, it was honest. It was always tackle football in the backyard um, from the ages of six up to junior high. And it was just, it was fun. It was enjoying. You got to run around, you got to hit. And, but then from that point, um, nothing organized until uh, uh, seventh grade wrestling. So, because I hadn't started before then. You, you talk about your wrestling coach and what, what did he do or what did he say or was it the way he presented himself that attracted you to him that he was the he was the role model how does one become a role model so how did he become your role model well right off the bat he provided for me something that i didn't have yet and that was consistency um again it was a time where my parents were getting or did get divorced how old were you when your folks got divorced um around uh 11 12 13 Ooh. And, and uh, that's tough. That is a very tender, tough age. Uh, age twelve is to me was the toughest age I ever went through. Wow, that's why I became a Raiders fan because that was my outlet. But anyway, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, I am also a Raiders fan, so I love it. Raider Nation, <laughs> <laughs> just win, baby. Just win, baby. All right. So, um, yeah. So, Todd Halstead, he is. Uh, he he's. One of the greatest coaches I've ever had in my entire life. Um, he's no longer with us. He had a, he had a heart attack uh, about three or four years ago, and it was it was a tough one. It was an early early loss to this world to a great great man. Was he in his forties? No, he was in his he was in his fifties. Fifties. Okay. Yep, he was in his fifties. But uh, um, just an incredible leader. Uh, he provided with me at that time one thing that I didn't have again was which was consistency. Um, he harnessed the energy that I had and that was just and and guided it towards hard work consistency and that will um, in the end pay off um, and then I saw success immediately on um, on the on the on the mat with wrestling and then from there he transitioned and he was also an assistant football coach and I had some great coaches as well in football but he he Did was he always encouraged you to go out for football um I was already going to go out for football, so he didn't really need to encourage me in that. He supported it. But more than anything, it was just the fact that, I mean, there's so many different directions that I could have gone at that age, and I did go a couple different directions. But one thing was for sure is when I was in sports, um, he was right there. And uh, it was just consistency, man. It was just consistency over and over. And I saw that, and I saw him work hard, and he, and talk about hard work in the classroom with with uh, with studies, but also on the field and on the mat. And he, uh, and it worked out. So I'm going to ask you a very personal question. If you don't want to answer it, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> bring it, huh? Did your both your parents go to all of your games? I, and I say all. I underline all. Not even close. Yeah. Um, so I had 30-plus football games in high school, and my parents went to two of them. <laughs> yeah. SeaWorld, yeah. It, it, you, you don't have to go to all your, your kids' games. I don't have children, by the way, for the record, so I can be hypocrite here. But, um, okay, they didn't go to all of them. No. Did that affect you mentally? It didn't affect um, me mentally because it just, it just was the way it was. Yeah, I uh, I just wanted to play. I wanted to play sports. It was my it was my happy time. It was my fun time. It was a time that I could get away from the world in regards to being able to play a sport and see success in it. So, but there was a difference when they did show up. It wasn't when they weren't there. It was when they were there. It was a difference, like just being like, oh, they're in, out there. That means a lot. I didn't, I didn't know what that felt like. So. Right. Well, how did it feel like? Yeah. Well, did it feel like, like you needed to, 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 to kick it up a notch? Did it feel like, um, hey, somebody's actually watching me? How did it? Because that was the way it was for me. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, I, I was, for me, it was like, even in warm-ups, like, I better be doing these warm-ups, like, sharp, you know, mm-hmm. crisp. 
because my parents are watching. I mean, I felt like I was on a stage, sort of, mm-hmm. that the spotlight was on me, that the only thing that they were looking at the entire time was me, the entire time. So I'm like, you know, it was to the point where, like, I hope my jersey's tucked in properly. I hope, I hope, you know, I hope I'm crisp in the warm-ups or whatever. And um, funny story, uh, I just bring that up because the first game I ever went to, I was I was excited. They were there. And even just getting off the bus, running the field, I saw them. I saw them. I go, they're here. And I and I, <laughs> you're going to laugh. It's funny. Um, but it, it, it was a tremendous point <laughs> in my childhood. Um I'm running out to the field and I and I I'm I'm almost like I'm like I feel like I'm I have to run perfectly or so you know it's just it's a weird I can't describe it and you know in those parking lots the old old school parking lots they have those short posts and then the the, the cable mm-hmm. and we had to jump I did not realize that there were the cables are I wasn't paying any attention and we had to have to jump over the cable so I literally my leg snagged on that damn cable and I I did a header, and I was so embarrassed. I was so it was such a low point in my athletic career. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I don't think I've ever. I'm not sure I've ever shared that with anybody. Wow. Anyway, so what was it like having that was what it was like having my parents and mm-hmm. I never played so that was the, the extent of my playing days as they saw me crash in my head. But um, you jump back up though, right? Of course I did. Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what? So what was your experience? Your, I mean, uh, did you feel like you needed to perform? Did you feel like you, the spotlight was on you? What was different? Was your performance different when they watched? No, I mean the one. There was one major difference um, when my when either my mom or dad showed up is that I felt like someone had my back. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, the team was there. Yes, coaches. Yes, I. That's that's a different feeling than when your parents or your family is there truly because they want to support you. And it was a rare thing. It was a rare thing, but it was. It found and, out. You know, to in, be, in agriculture world, it is. I mean, yeah. you know, my dad. It's like, hey, I mean, yep. no, I have to get up early in the morning. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stay out till ten o'clock at night mm-hmm. watching a football game, or, mm-hmm. or or go on a road to, from Valentine to McCook and get back at four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't done. Right. We're talking about a game here, right? Right. Where it's like things need to get handled. Things right. need to get taken care of. Right. So so that you can do that. <laughs> correct. Correct. So when they did show up, it, it it meant a lot to me. It like it felt like I had someone on my back and true or not on my back, but had my back and it, it was like a deep it was like it was like that feeling of being loved. Yeah. Well, ironically, I I think i've gone to every time you've been to crossfit games since i've known you eh, 13 i didn't go but uh i've gone because i feel like it's a mutual you're there for me all mm-hmm. year long it's the very i mean i'm hmm. fortunate enough to have it's not cost a little bit of money to do all this stuff yeah uh and i just it, it's just funny how things have changed over time now so i'm gonna get back into this because this is I tell my friends all the time, you know, they, they they freak out if they miss one game. I mean, because they have a they have a serious conflict. I mean, it's a legitimate conflict, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh my God, my child's gonna be ruined for the rest of her life." Now, do you believe that? No. Okay. Now, have you ever missed one of your kids' games? Yes, you have. Yep. And did you feel? How did you feel? I didn't like it. I didn't like it, but there was just things that had to be done. You think they're gonna survive? Well, I think they're gonna be okay. Yeah. Um. And it's it's something to where, you know, my childhood is different than my children's childhood. So there's different things going on, different different requirements, different uh, responsibilities. However, um, you know, whether it's my wife and I, we miss we miss a game because we're on vacation. It just so happens to be the, the same day as the first game of, of that flag football. That happened just recently. Yeah, but so uh, the, the grand... The days of social media, I know that. That's right. I'm in your chili prom. Yes. <laughs> we're all informed. Yes. Um, but, but you felt grand- you were okay with that? Yeah, the grandparents were there. I didn't like it. I like watching my kids. It's, uh, it's fun for me, and plus it makes them feel good, but that's, you know, I want to make sure that they I, feel I supported. I guess my point is, do you think kids today are soft <laughs> uh, uh it's called uh let's see here 
That's a great article that was written a while ago, back in 2013. It was it was uh, by a good friend, and it was uh, excuse my French, the pussification of America. Mm-hmm. And it talks exactly goes into detail about what you what you just asked about you know whether kids are soft, but more importantly, it's not even the kids' fault. It's the parents. It's the coddling. Um, it's the protecting. It's the trying to prevent them from experiencing. It's the um, constant, constant having control and wanting control. And as a parent, I understand. I get that. I get all of that. I get it. But also on the other side, there is so much value to just being able to experience and just let be let, right? Or just let them out and just let them play for a second or... Um, just experiencing what it's like to fall down and hit your knee, um, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, we live in a participation society where there, there are things called participation trophies. Everybody everybody gets an ice cream cone. Everybody gets a trophy for participating. What are your feelings on that? You're a Why champion. Are we? You're yeah. a champion, mm-hmm. okay? You've spent a lot of time of your life, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of dedication, a lot of commitment. You've done things that other people weren't willing to do to put you on the top spot of the you know the the, the you know the gold ribbon mm-hmm. or the gold medal in the mm-hmm. CrossFit Games. Now, hey, I'm right there with you, pal. How come I don't get to stand on the podium? Yeah, I'm not there with you, but I mean that's my point. Mm-hmm. So my so I'm going to ask the question again. What do you think about participation trophies? I think it's the worst thing ever. Ever. Thank, thank you. Thank I, you. <laughs> I, I don't know. Not understand. everybody gets to be a winner, man. Right. Um, just something to think about is what in the long run is happening when we bring the level down to include more people while more people get involved, right? They get to be they, they get to feel like they're being involved more, but then what happens? Is they don't have to work as hard to strive a to strive to get and achieve a higher level of achievement. Um, it's it, something similar happened, unfortunately, um, this year at the Olympics with Simone Biles in gymnastics. Did you hear about this? Yeah. And it was she was she is you obviously tell a story for our listeners, assuming yeah, not assuming she, that they know the story. She is obviously the best this year and in the history of gymnastics she was doing tricks or not tricks i'm sorry um she was performing what what are they even called um crazy things in gymnastics um um routines she was routines yeah she was she was completing very complex routines yes she was completing routines and moves in gymnastics and landing things that nobody else could achieve so then what happened was instead of judging her and rewarding her for that level of skill that no one else was able to do they decided the board decided that they weren't going to reward her for that um, for those high scores, but it was just for the basics of what everybody else could achieve. So they brought her down to a level that was um, able to be achieved by everybody else versus award her for her high work or her high level of commitment and performance. Uh, I just find that to be outrageous. Uh, it's so, unacceptable. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. Yeah. What's the motivation to be the best then? I, I mean, to, 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 to break apart from the crowd. I mean, you know, my favorite, <clears throat> you know, my favorite motivator is David Goggins, and and he's, I mean, he's a freak. He's a. You've mm-hmm. read his book. Um, I actually recommend you that you read his mm-hmm. book. Yes. Um, and he is a narcissist. You know, you, you, well, he's a narcissist, probably, probably is. But mm-hmm. to get to that level, he has to be. I mean, that's just the way it is. But it's about being uncommon among uncommon people. If you're going to be number one, or if you're going to, the bar is always being raised. And what do you have to do to raise that bar? And, you know, maybe that's the downside of it. You have to become a narcissist, but I I think you would disagree with that actually. Uh, Because I think faith is where you Mm -hmm. replace that narcissism Mm -hmm. for you. Um, You trust in a power other. I mean, for instance, Goggins, I think he only trusts in his own power, which is phenomenal power, but you trust in another power. I do think that, that you have to allow people to excel. Mm -hmm. And what you just described didn't, 
allow people to excel. Correct. And, and how does how is how are the Olympics going to get better with that kind of attitude? Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. No, I find extreme value in um, rewarding someone for what they achieved, um, the hard work that they put in, providing someone with a gold medal, a silver medal, a bronze medal, a first place, and a tenth place. And everyone in between. That's going to be. That's just really important. Because why? Because that is how the real world works. Correct. Correct. There are winners and there are losers, and there are people just just trying to make an honest living. And we're out here mm-hmm. just trying the best we can. Yeah. You know, and that's that's all right with me. I mean, that's I I, I don't think I try the or i try the best i can and and i try and stretch whatever that best is um Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. so maybe it's not a podium but maybe it's it's something i have never done before Mm -hmm. so you know being a crossfit has allowed me to do some of those things let's go back for a second about your your key core motivation it fascinates me again and i want to touch on this again you're a semi-finalist in wrestling that happened three times, and then you were champion from there on. I mean, you're, you're state champion wrestler. Mm-hmm. You go to UNO, become a, a football player. You're an All-American at UNO. Mm-hmm. You're at a very high level. You go into CrossFit Games, and you're, you compete at a very high level of CrossFit Games. So you were semifinalist three straight years. Did that piss you off? What did it do? to? Was there something that changed in your psyche that made you get to that next level because of that, or am I reading too much into that? No, um, when I got fourth as a freshman, um, one it wasn't it wasn't very common where I'm from, um, but I was I was crushed. Uh, I the guy that I wrestled, he was a senior and he was so strong, and I didn't even realize how strong he was until a couple months after when I'd rewatched the film a couple times, and I was like, I don't even. I don't even remember that he was so strong. He beat me like fourteen to one, and Ooh. it was that. I mean, that's that's. What was his name? Because I know you remember it. I, I don't remember. You his, really? I don't remember his name. Oh come on! I remember everything about him. I'm going to give name. him a call after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I came off and I was crushed. I was in tears. I I felt like um, I could compete with anybody at that level. And was he from Valentine? No, he was not. Right. Okay, Osceola. Uh oh, but um, Stromsburg, Osceola. Oh, all my point. cousins from that region. Yeah. It's probably one of my cousins. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I came off and I I, I walked over to my coach uh, and uh, I mean I was in tears. I was crushed. And then I, and then I walked up to my team and they're like, "You got to admit, man, that guy looked strong." And I I didn't even realize it because I thought I was going to win all the way up until the end. I wasn't going to give up, right? And it was just a matter of. I felt like I was worthy and I but that's where I enjoyed wrestling so much that I could have thought that I could have believed that I had total faith in myself I had I had so much confidence but I wasn't good enough yet that's why I enjoyed wrestling is you can feel and you can talk and you can argue yourself but when you go out on the mat that's where it really comes down to it. it's like are you as good as this guy or not and the winner will walk off there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The winner walks off fair, and then the loser has to, um, one, acknowledge that, and then reflect, and then get back to work. Um, and then, so I was like, all right, well, let's get back to work. And then the next year, very similar thing happened. And then the next year, and I can even, I can remember every single match. Was it because you weren't strong enough those two years? No, I mean, it was, one, I was young. I mean, and was, fit, I was inexperienced. You had it between the years at a very young age. Yes. As a freshman, you knew you were going to walk on that mat and just beat whoever the heck you were going to wrestle. So you had that part of it down, which is most people's, that's mm-hmm. what they struggle with. You yep. had that. Yep. So the, the freshman year was strength. What was sophomore, junior year? Well, I think freshman year too was just the fact that I wasn't good enough. I didn't have enough knowledge in the sport, not enough skill. skill. The skill part wasn't there. Um, and then, and again, there's some great wrestlers in, in Nebraska, and I really I love the program. And there's a lot of great clubs around Omaha and Nebraska as a whole now. The wrestling programs since I've been in grade school up to now. Um, has just grown leaps and bounds, and they're really, really coming out. But same, I so I saw just wrestlers that were better than me. They were just better. I mean, I competed against some wrestlers that wrestled at UNO, went to Nebraska, went to Iowa um, for for in college, and uh, um, 
even my junior year, I, I, I'm friends with a guy that beat me in semifinals and I can remember, remember the mistakes I made. And he was very good. I'm not saying that I wasn't good enough or he, he was just better than me that day. So what'd you do to get better? What did you do to... F- so what was it? I know the answer, but our listeners don't. I, well, <laughs> I was sick of losing. I wanted to be a winner. I wanted to win and it was driving me nuts. And... Uh, um, I took I took the the next season because it was my senior year. I mean, I'm are you kidding me? You're gonna go all all four years and just almost get there? No. So I left it all on the line, completely, fully committed, um, fully, fully. And I thought I was fully committed in the years past, but in the years past, I was distracted, distracted by things that I shouldn't have been distracted by. Whether it was girlfriends or um, extracurricular activities that a, a young man tries to get involved in that what? doesn't yeah right um are you human well yeah is it true the, yeah the, you know too you, many you've been to a kegger out you've been, you've been out to a kegger in a cornfield <laughs> once or farm twice in your life cornfields that's great getting waking up with poison ivy all that stuff but lots of fun just taking it seriously and um making a decision that i want a future in sports in college and it's going to take that and then having a coach and a team it wasn't just me. My team started to get better. And it was crazy, too, because I'm still very good friends with these guys that I wrestled with on the mat in high school. But, uh, um, yeah, it was um, – and it was fun, too, because I wrestled a couple guys that went on to college my senior year as well. And they're they're great guys and very good wrestlers. So Interesting. Um, one of the, the, the struggles that – so – you know, wrestling in high school at a high level, you obviously continue your high level of athletics. But for a lot of kids, the last time that, you know, they're, they're all state football players or they're, they're state champion wrestlers, that that's, you know, that's the end of it at the end of high school. Yeah. And then they go to college and then they're back to zero. And the transition is difficult for them. Um, do, I, I don't know where I'm going with this question. Um, because I've seen it. I've seen, mm-hmm. I, I know kids personally. I, I know, you know, I, I see it. That that they are the top of the game and then they just can't quite, they never leave town because mm-hmm. they're not, because psychologically, they, you know, they, they feel like they're identified as something big mm-hmm. in that place. But they, they they don't ever really stretch their legs and get past that. Why, why do you think that is? Well, why do they not move on to college, or why do they get to that feeling of like? Well, or, or, or well, they might move on to college, but they come, they don't. Yeah, they they never. They have a hard time with the transition. I mean, there's been country songs mm-hmm. written about this for heaven's sake. Yeah, it's a lack you know, of pursuit. Should have been a coulda, or or I was a hero and now I'm not. And yep. Uh, well, it's you a didn't la- face it's, that, it's a it's but, a lack of pursuit. It's a lack of pursuit. In in high school, they have something that they can do, um, and they have fun with it. So then they they prepare for it the night before the two nights before they practice every single day they have they they get to socialize with their friends and do it and maybe they even see some success in high school so then they see a little bit more whether that's attention or reinforcement which is great that's great if you do something well you should be reinforced by it whether it's a child or an adult yeah and as soon as that happens um, they like it. Okay, so now we're going to pursue what we like and we have fun with and we see success. And then it's honestly building you as with character because I think every child to an extent should be experienced in some sort of sports or coaching athlete team mentality because it's going to build you up, build you up with character, um, with with feedback, being able to receive feedback, um, The what hard work does when you when you dedicate yourself and when you then pursue. paying off, right? <laughs> so then they, they get to college and it's either going to be a change of pursuit or a lack of pursuit. And in that sense, that's where so they're dealing with this stuff. Right, right. Yeah, particularly the change, I think, is like, what, what, what do I pursue now? It's like you're yeah. starting over. What, 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 are, you know, what are you pursuing now that's, mm-hmm. that's achievable? It's... it's um, a fascinating thing that that I've seen, and and I mean for me it was even I got to call. I mean I, here I, I you know my experience was that I went to high school and hey I went to this you know academically tough high school and mm-hmm. I don't have to study in college 
wrong i mean you know <laughs> you know yeah. he come home with a 2.3 your first first semester and nice get a little talking down talking to you by the by the parents who just shelled out all this money for you to go to the best high school in the state and Ooh. like you know you better you better you better refocus and, and double down on what you're pursuing um so i i really i loved your answer mm-hmm. i love that answer well and i think in high school for for me it was just a matter of um showing up to class doing a little bit of studying you don't have to do a ton of studying but just showing up to class then in college it's like okay you actually have to you have to show up to class and you have to study and prepare so it's a whole different it's a whole different level yeah but yeah it is uh you have to be self-motivated now so mm-hmm. what self-motivates kyle Kaspar? what where do you get your motivation from what i mean who it, i mean you know folks crossfit is a very difficult thing to do um and I see athletes like yourself, they train by themselves a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, although I know I have noticed you over the years, you like to have people kind of around you to train with. But you don't always train with other people. You train by yourself. Um, I couldn't personally, I wouldn't. I mean, there are workouts that, you know, like people make up workups on, on their own. And I used to do that in my early years of CrossFit. I don't do that anymore. I mean, I mean, this week, for instance, we've done some workouts. There's no way, you know, you would. I've told someone if you paid me a hundred dollars to do that by myself on Thursday, I would tell you you need more money. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, what, uh, what, what? How do you train by yourself? How do you self motivate? How? What keeps you going? What keeps that pursuit going? Well, I will say this in regards to my my. Uh motivation or my pursuit within CrossFit. Um, it has changed over the years. Um, in the beginning, I started competing in CrossFit in 2009. And now we're we're 10, we're 11 years later almost. Well, no, we're 12 almost, yeah. In the world of CrossFit, you are Tom Brady. Let's face yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not supposed to be able to be doing this this long, um, which is just a, such a blessing and a gift, I, I'm, to be honest. But in the beginning, it was truly, honestly, I started CrossFit to compete. I wanted to compete. At what point did you? I'm sorry to interrupt, but this one of my questions is a good appropriate to- yeah. point to ask it. At what point did you know that you wanted to compete in CrossFit? The second that I heard about CrossFit, I had a, a good friend of mine, and uh, um, he was a strength coach for me in college when I played football. I actually, okay, so going back even further, Joe Westerlin. He and I, we came on the same recruiting trip to football at UNO, University of Nebraska of Omaha. He was a defensive back. I was a running back. And then we played a couple years um, in, at the, on the team, and then he ended up injuring his back and then went on to be a strength coach. When he was on to a strength coach, I, I went on to the sports medicine and athletic training branch, and we were still ca- staying in contact. Right. Then he stemmed off, and uh, he opened a, uh, the first gym in Nebraska with CrossFit um, with another CrossFit gym. And at the time he'd owned it. And, uh, what happened there is he reached out to me and he's, he just texted me. He's like, Hey, you want to w- learn a new way of working out? I was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I'm just going th- and I, and I worked out. You um, knew it I, all, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Boy, I thought I did. And, um, this was a couple years after I'd been, uh, I- I'm done playing football. Uh, and I'm just going through the same type of workout um, that I did in college football. Just uh, some some running, some dynamics, some lifting, and then maybe I'll do a little bit more running afterwards. And that was it. And I did that over and over and over and over and over. And I did it by myself. You know what? Why? I did it by myself because I knew I needed to get it done. I didn't need to wait on somebody else. I wanted to get it done, and needed to get and it needed to get done. Get her done. Because um, I wanted, I wanted to stay strong. I wanted to stay healthy. I knew that at some point this was going to pay off. Me being in shape, me being strong, and staying strong, and and I knew that there was a. I just liked how it felt. I liked the way that I slept. I liked how it felt when I woke up. I liked the energy I had throughout the day. What I was able to do throughout Boy, the day. What a blessing at a young age to realize all that stuff. Well, I knew what it felt like not to be that way. I was wrecked right. coming out of football. My knees hurt. My hips hurt. My shoulders hurt. So when I stopped right. moving, it hurt worse. Right. I was in worse pain, and I was fully convinced I was going to get a knee replacement when all it was was tight tendons and inflammation. Right. And so I found out that. 
through CrossFit, movement is medicine. If we continue to move, if I continued to move, it helped subside all my symptoms. And when I started stretching more and learning about fish oil and maintenancing myself more and more and more, the value of vitamin D and just consistency of all of those things and then hydrating, everything just felt better. I had more energy. So when he texted me, he's like, hey, you want to you want a new way of working out? And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, just sure. meet me at the gym and I got to work out for you. And it was like, it was a... What was the workout? You know what it was. Well, it was leg... The, we'll this call is the, Kyle. I remember <laughs> my first official CrossFit workout in class, but this one was just a little teaser and he gave me like, like, like a legless rope climb, um, dumbbell clean and thruster workout. And I did that. Okay. okay. Well, most people can't legless <laughs> rope climb on first sight. Did you... Were you able... You probably were, were able to do it, but it was hard, wasn't it? It was hard. It was Legless, challenging. How, it was a ten foot rope. 14. It was like a. T- it was a fifteen foot rope. Fifteen foot. Late listeners, think of a fifteen rope. Fifteen foot rope hanging from a very tall ceiling, and he's got to climb up the rope using his arms only, with his legs out in like kind of a V position, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So you're able to get it so done. So I did that. It lasted like seven minutes, and I was like, "Okay, what's what the was big deal?" Thing? Dumbbell thrust. It, it was. It was a, a dumbbell clean and a thruster combo. So gotcha. it was legless rope climbs, dumbbell cleans, and dumbbell dumbbell thrusters. And it was like seven or so minutes. I did it, and I was like. Okay, and then I went and finished my own strength workout. And I was like, that's not a big deal, whatever. And I wasn't being – I didn't say that to him. I was just like, oh, that was that was okay, yeah. whatever, but I need to go work out now. That was a good warm-up. And then he texts me again, and like a couple of days. He's like, hey, come on, I got another workout for you. And this is now at um, at his gym at the time. And he's like, hey, jump into a class. Here's all these you know, old ladies. Come on in. Yep, well, yep. This is exactly what happened. This, so the workout terms. was Helen. Where it's oh, um, where it's a 400 meter run, so it's three rounds, 400 meter run, 21 pull ups, 12 kettlebell swings. No, maybe it's the other way. Yeah, 21 kettlebell swings and then 12, 12 pull ups. Three rounds of that, and I was like, oh okay, I don't, I'm, I don't know how you guys are doing those uh, pull ups, um, but I'll just do strict, and. <laughs> I was in a class with uh, just regular Joe Schmoes and about 16 stay-at-home moms, and I got beat by all of them, every single one of them. Now, at that point, you could have said, well, I really suck. I'm never doing that again. Or you could say, So at that point in in time, anything that – because I felt like I was pretty strong and pretty fit. I was real confident in myself. Yeah. And uh, you could almost say it was pride, too. There was some pride involved in that for sure, arrogance. And uh, as soon as I felt that and witnessed that, I couldn't have jumped in faster. I love the taste. So you know, of- you were competing not only. When I say compete, I meant like CrossFit games. You didn't even know about CrossFit games at that point. But no, that was just a matter of the class motivated you because mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. You wanted to finish first. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the way that – and you didn't. And it was the first time in a long time that you hadn't finished first, really. Right. When you think about it. Right. And, uh, I mean, to be honest, he texts me and he's like, hey, you can compete in this. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you can compete. They're doing a competition. Well, right away, Joe told you that. He texted me this before I showed up to that workout. And they're I was like, doing well. thing out at this ranch in California. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, it's this thing where they're testing so your what, fitness. So it was for historical purposes. What, was this about 2005, This was six? February of 2009. Oh, nine. Wow. Because I wasn't done with college football until 2007. Gotcha. And it was two years okay. of me working out. February 9. That's yep. not that so, long ago. No. So, I mean, yeah. when you're as old as I am, it's not that right. long ago. And uh, he told me I could compete. And then, silly me, I sent back, I was like, well, if, I wanna, if I'm going to compete, I want to win. And I didn't know what I was saying, but I knew that I wanted to win. I didn't care. I, I, I knew there was going to be work involved. Right. But I just told him, and I... I text him. I was like, if I'm going to compete in this, not knowing what it was at all, I want to win. Because. And that's exactly what Joe wanted to hear. And (laughs) and this goes back to wrestling. If you are wrestling and you're not winning, you're not going to want to wrestle. No. Wrestling is awful. You get pounded on the mat all week long and then you go to a tournament and you get pounded even harder by somebody else that's not fun you got to win somewhere to make it more fun or enjoying right um and the other part of it after i got beat by 16 
stay home moms and I was doing what I was doing before that, there's nothing better than the taste of humble pie. And if that humble pie was, that was such a big piece, I was like, I am all in. If this is doing that to me, I am missing something in my own training, in my own programming. I am missing the boat. There are people, thousands of people out there, much in much better shape than me, better than me in this. You had no idea. I'm in. I want to do it. Here we are. And here we are. Great story. I, I I knew that you and Joe were connected. I did not know the the. Everybody's got a story. Yeah. Um, and that's that is a great known him for twenty years. Um. Uh. So, I mean, again, going back to self motivation, kind because of, I kind of mm-hmm. dived in on you. But what? How do you? I mean, people. Most people. I, I would say the vast majority of people. It's very difficult for them to get up. And it might be it might be anything. It might be like get this job, or it might be uh, be the best at that job, or it might be whatever. It takes self motivation. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna get ahead in life, you gotta you gotta you gotta light a fire on your own rear end. Nobody else can do it for you. So where does that come from? From you? Where do you think that comes from? How do you do it? I mean, honestly, I I, I love to win, but I just I hate losing more. And I also hate losing because I wasn't prepared. Um, I think that's something and that I think that comes from just a long line of competing in sports, um, even competing before in the backyard with with friends um, and just continually exposing myself to that environment over and over and over. And uh just a feeling of wanting to win, but then feeling how it feels to lose and not liking that feeling at all um, and, and not being fun, but then not preparing and then being upset about it. It's like, okay, don't be upset by the work you didn't put in, right? So, um, yeah, it's that feeling of not enjoying the loss. And again, it I, I truly feel it just goes way, way back just to uh, lack of prepar- preparation, not getting the job done when the job should have gotten done, when you were given the task, when you were supposed to fix that fence or feed the calves and it didn't get done, and then the consequence behind that. Right. Um, so, right. Yeah. So the grind, I, I call it the grind. It's it's a grind. You know, mm-hmm. what does grind mean? To me, it means literally the grind. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's friction. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of my political heroes, Hal Dobb, once said, without <clears throat> without friction, there is no movement, mm-hmm. and, which is absolutely true. It's the grind. Um, so the grind itself, is is that your mission or is that just a grind? Is that the grind to accomplish the mission? Well... Over the years, my mission has changed a lot. Yeah. I mean, from the standpoint of um, just being completely absorbed in my own um, competitive endeavors to meeting my wife, to having children while competing, um, to gaining and and surrendering my life to the Lord. Um to being surrounded by Christians and uh, continuing to be self-fed and spirit-led, um, self-fed in the Bible, to being spirit-led and listening to the Holy Spirit and and, and just improving my relationship with the Lord, but then also um, learning that true leadership is done by serving. And whether that's in my in, in the business world um, at, at my gym or or it's serving my wife or it's serving my children in a certain way and what that looks like. Well, you're serving me, buddy. Yeah. I mean, well, the, you're opening, serving me too. the op- opening Bible verse, I mean, if, if I didn't really talk about it or what it meant or what it means to me is it casts about our coach here is he, he's never, ever going to ask me as a CrossFit athlete to do something that he hasn't done himself or he won't do himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, just yesterday he's in class with with all the with all the noon fifty year old you know bitchers and moaners. Um, <laughs> and uh, but he, there he is. I mean, he's leading. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a it's such a blessing and an honor to be able to do class. I love that's one of my favorite things um, about. 
being at a gym and being a part of a community and owning a gym, um, co-owning with uh, with uh, one of my um, good friends, Nissa Ryder. But uh, I I can't be a part of a community and not do class. If I'm going to claim I'm a part of a community, I'm going to be in it. I want to be involved in it. I like I, I do the workouts that I that I ask other members that the other members to do. I do it all, uh, and I ask other coaches to to do it as well. And um, that's just something to where if I'm asking someone else to do it, I I should be able to do it myself or be willing to do it or have done it in the past. Um, but just from the standpoint of the mission that I'm in now is giving all glory to God, man, whatever I do, um, enjoying, enjoying the, 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 the path that I'm on, whether it's, um, serving and loving my wife, whether it's, uh, leading and serving, um, the members of the gym, whether it's, uh, um, leading and serving my children and giving them what I didn't have or, setting that foundation so they are prepared to when we are not around they are going to be able to make some some appropriate decisions or learn from their mistakes and that's okay i made so many mistakes and i'm still making mistakes on a daily basis absolutely and and that's okay for them to make mistakes but just also knowing that i'm here and my wife is there we're there for them and um yeah man god's got them so awesome i just want to gig on something here real quick okay it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a paradox. Number one is why are humans scared of the dark, but why is sometimes going into the dark the easier thing to do? In other words, uh, a lot of people go into the dark. You know, they 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 they, they turn to drugs, they turn mm-hmm. to alcohol, mm-hmm. they turn to poor eating mm-hmm. habits. <clears throat> You're looking at him. Um, so, so why are humans scared of the dark? Well either from past experience or from um, seeing others in the dark is my opinion. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Past experiences of what they've, what they've experienced because that is their dark. That was their rock bottom or that was close to their rock bottom and they're scared of it or they're aware of it or they're experienced by it. And then maybe witnessing others paths being like, wow, or, oh my gosh, that sounds or tears tear that sounds or looks or is awful um that dark is what you're talking about of that that rock bottom that 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 evil place where the enemy is just lurking and and just spinning around and just having it's having the enemies just having the the enemy's playground um of play for the enemy right is 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 the dark um is if that is that what you're referring to kind of yeah, I mean, okay. dark, dark is is actually a physical thing. I mean, yeah. also, I mean, it's a physical. Mm-hmm. I'm scared of the dark. Sure, believe it or not. Oh, like I, the physical I mean, dark. I mean, like yeah. at night, if I'm my wife's not here and I'm I'm alone, I hear the house creak. Sure, and it freaks me a little bit, you know. So maybe if it's ex- I if I go figure out what it is, I usually take my gun. I mean, because I'm scared of the dark. Sure. <laughs> Uh, it's it, the dark is a very mysterious thing. I mean, a physical thing. I, I, I'm talking about the physical dark. You know, the where, physical there, no darkness. light, no light. Okay, dark. Isn't that weird? Um, I bet you're not scared of the dark. No, the no, physical no. dark. Are you scared of the dark at night? If you were locked in a funeral home at night, would you? You know, would you be frightened? I mean, My, that's a that's a silly thing to no, ask. No, but no, I mean, no. but I mean, but I mean, you're just scared of the dark. Why would you be frightened? Why would you be more frightened? They're dead for heaven's sakes. Well, I mean, you know. So what? I think it's different for everyone, but for me, the initial feeling uh, while in the dark is one um, being alone, um, associating the dark with being cold or moist or wet. Um, Interesting. Um, also, you can't see. You can't see. How many times throughout the day do we are we awake and you can't see? Um, in regards to if you're not blind or having any any um, seeing impairments, but right, it's an that's, I, it's, that's why it's, it's being uncomfortable. To someone who's blind because yeah. their perception of their things is it's much everything different. different. So that they're just the fact that you're not used to it. You're uncomfortable. Right. You don't like to be uncomfortable. It's called uncomfortable for a reason. You're uncomfortable. You don't right. like it. You you're not right. there very often. So maybe being in the dark. How often? I think it'd be different if we were in the dark. 
nine hours a day. And then it was in the light that we were scared of because yeah. we aren't ever in the light. Right. If we're, and we're talking physical darkness here. Um, just the fact that we aren't in it very often. So when we are, we are uncomfortable. And with that uncomfortable is an immediate follow-up fe- feeling of being fearful, which is probably why you bring your gun. Yeah. That's just my thoughts. Fear is a, is a um, very powerful uh, emotion. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I mean, I'm, mo- I'm motivated by fear of failure. I mean, I, mm-hmm. it's a very powerful emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What was the second part of well, that Well, the second part again? of it is, and I was just thinking about this the other day. These are just random things I think about sometimes. Yeah. So I started discussing with you. Uh, the other part of it is, so we just talked about nobody wants to be in the dark. Nobody wa- I mean, the physical dark, at least. But the the pro- proverbial dark, uh, why do people go to the dark side? I mean, why do, why do some people just not see the light? Why do some people... Um, why do so, some people rely on drugs and alcohol? And very good people. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not bad people, but they fall into darkness. They fall. I mean, we all, you know, in my 53 years, one thing I always say is the only two things I know is that we're all hypocrites yeah. and, and we all have our demons. So why do some people have those? Why do people fall really to the dark side? Um, It's interesting that you asked this but i just got done listening to a um a podcast with uh, jordan peterson and he uh he also has a great book called uh, the 12 rules of life and he he's uh he's a psychologist pretty well known um out of canada and he's been in the practice for a, a number of years and uh he he breaks this down pretty eloquently and in detail and he talks about something that I can extremely relate to and how I can relate this to my members um, how I can relate this to myself and my own path and to my children and he talks about how that just small little compromises over time whether that's compromises in our nutrition or it's compromises in our daily habits of it's just a little white lie um, turns into um, another white lie and turns into another lie and turns into another lie and then turns into an action and then an action and then all of a sudden just little over time and he breaks down um, have the, the fact of why are there evil people in the world or why are there bad people in the world? What are they doing? How can they get to the point of, of being either a, a rapist or a murderer or a terrorist or a terrorist group? Um, how does it get to that point? Because, you know, are we, are, is it something where they were groomed that way or was it something they were born that way? And he breaks down, um, a great, a great breakdown of that and relays it, relates it all also in line with, um, with the Bible, which is fantastic. And just how one, we are born with sin. We are born with sin. Yes. And um, we, we must surrender. Um, and once we've surrendered, he, he, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He took all of our sin. In that one time, he got mutilated. He got slayed. He got whipped. He got torn down, beaten, punched in the face, broken. It's a lot and of he, burden on somebody's shoulders. Yes, he took it <laughs> all for us. And, 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 we, and we are not perfect, and he was perfect. He didn't have to do that. But um, it's, that, it's just over time little compromises lead to more and more and more and then and then uh where are we at all of a sudden you've got this numb um soulless individual that is just completely immune to where they are and they 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 haven't realized how deep they've gone and uh um well they've settled i mean it it is they've there's no other way out for them and then from that point yeah you're right They've not only settled, but then they're so deep and they're so in the dark, they don't know anything else. They don't know anything else until they've either had like a rock bottom or a revelation or an act of God that has completely changed them. It's it's uh, it's interesting that you well yeah, it's, ask that. You know, there's a, a lyric from one of my favorite bands that goes, "It's better to die than to live without hope." Right. That's pretty profound. Yeah. Yep. 
pretty profound. Kyle, is there anything else that you want to cover today? No, I, uh, I just, uh, oh man, no, I'm, this is just going to be directed towards you. I think uh, you're doing oh, a great well, thing we'll here. We'll edit this out, so go yeah, ahead. Yeah, don't edit. <laughs> <laughs> just the fact that, well, you, and I think you go to a lot of different, a lot of listeners too. Um, and to myself, I can look in the mirror and say this as well, and it's just like, keep going. Um, keep going. Uh, Sam, keep going. You feel like you've got a pursuit, and it's and it's uh, it's making this world a better place. There's a reason that you're alive. Um, you've got a gift. Uh, keep going in the gym. Um, today didn't go great. Yesterday didn't go good. Tomorrow's going to go better, right? It's like keep going. Uh, myself looking in the mirror, keep going. Whatever my pursuit is, and and that's the other thing is pursuits are going to change. And for me, I have to. I'm in a season to where I've been doing. I've been competing at the highest level of CrossFit for 12 years, which is a long time for CrossFitters. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just, um, because I've had a team around me of support that if I didn't have that team or that community of support, I know for a fact I wouldn't have been able to do it. But um, it's a new pursuit and to continue to seek a pursuit. And if that pursuit changes, that's fine. That's okay. It's a different season. But, um, is it going to change? Going. Is it going to change? You don't know yet. I've been asked that probably more in the last well, it's on month. The worldwide. I guess we are going to keep this part because it's on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the record. I've I've been asked that more in the last month than I have in the last 10 years. And uh, um, rightfully so. I mean, my children are growing up. And uh, my pursuit is slightly changing. But we will see if competition is in the books for next year i'm not sure yet yeah well thanks for being on cowboys not eggheads uh appreciate it um are you a cowboy or are you an egghead <laughs> my dad wears cowboy boots all day long he wears a cowboy hat i was he works for a living yeah um come on man cowboy all the way all right super <laughs> get some raider nation <laughs>